0: Testing, testing, Dr. Kemp,
1: testing. Hey, Dr. Burke, good evening, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can, I'll put you on mute. We're ready to go in a few seconds. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Good evening, and welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. We have quite a lineup for you tonight. A lot going on in the world, going on in the world of sports. So I want to open up the mic tonight. and have my co host who's with us right now, Dr. Marlo Kemp. Tell everybody hello, Marlo.
1: Uh, Good evening, everyone. Hey, Dr. Burke. Good evening. All right.
0: Good evening. We're in for a great, great show this evening. Dr. Kemp, in honor of the late Senator Dianne Feinstein, would you just give us some words about this great loss of a senator?
1: Sure. Um, Senator Dianne Goldman Feinstein was born June 22nd, 1933. And as we all know passed away September 29th, 2023 um, at the age of 90 years old, she was an American politician who served as a United States Senator from California. From 1992 until her death of 2023 she was the mem- a member of the Democratic Party, she also served as mayor of San Francisco from 1978 to 1988 she was. Um, from San Francisco, California, she graduated from Stanford University in 1955. She was elected to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in 1968 and served as the board's first female president in 1978. During this time, um, and during this time in 1978, there was assassinations of the mayor George Moscone and the city supervisor Harvey Milk which drew at that time national attention because Feinstein actually succeeded uh, Moscow as the mayor and became the first woman to serve um, as the mayor of San Francisco. She led the renovation of the city's cable car system and oversaw the 1984 Democratic National Convention. Um, Despite a recall attempt in 1983, she was a very popular mayor and was named the most effective mayor in the country in 1987 uh, after losing a race for governor in 1990 she was elected to the US Senate in 1992 during a special election in November 1992 she became California's first female US senator and she became the state's senior senator with Alan Cranston who retired in January of 1993 She was re-elected five times, and in 2012, in the 2012 election, she received over 7 million votes, the most popular votes received by any U.S. senator candidate ever in history. She was an author of the 1994 Federal Assault Weapons Ban. She was the first woman to chair the Senate Rules Committee and the Senate Intelligence Committee, and the first to preside over a U.S presidential inauguration. She chaired the Senate Intelligence Committee from 2009 to 2015 and was the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee from 2017 to 2021. Um, By the time of her death, Feinstein was the oldest sitting U.S. Senator and member of Congress. She was also the longest serving U.S. Senator from California She was the longest tenured female senator in history and the senior Democratic member of the Senate. In February of this year, 2023, she announced that she would not seek re-election in 2024. During her final years in office, as she aged and her health declined, everyone was concerned about her mental fitness to serve. She died in office on September 29, 2023 at the age of 90 years.
0: Alrighty, Diane Feinstein, also, I believe in 2014, she, during the Barack Obama era, she was one of those in Congress that spoke out against the uh, torture of prisoners by the CIAA of foreigners. So she was uh, quite a woman. Let's see, we can welcome Jim, Jim to the show. Jim, can you hear me, come on in?
2: Yes, I can, can you hear me?
0: Yes, we can, great. I'm just going over the life and legacy of Senator Dianne Feinstein. And uh, and so she left quite a legacy. She passed at 90 years of age. And uh, Dr. Kemp get a brief documentary on her there. And so uh, we just want to tell her tell thank you so much. I want to welcome Randall Holmes to the line. I believe that's Randall Holmes at Richmond, Virginia. But nevertheless, Dianne Feinstein. Jim, I'm come to you for the next story. Talk about something. All right, another story that just happened. This before we get to sports. They say that after 27 years of investigation, they have charged Mr. Dwayne Keefe for the murder of Tupac Shakur. Now, whether you like rap music or don't like rap music, undeniable that Tupac Shakur. Was a major influence on this style of music over 30 years ago. Jim, your thoughts on that case with Tupac Shakur and suddenly coming up with an arrest?
2: Well, this person has been on the radar. They have uh, interviewed him as persons of interest many years ago. I think they've known for a while. You know, that, that whole incident with Tupac, then Biggie, was just sad. It's just that because it it brought just stuff to the forefront that didn't need it to be brought. I think both of them were talented rappers. Both of them, you know, they had a, I won't say imaginary, but I think it was a made up beef that I believe Suge Knight started between those to get that East Coast, West Coast beef started. Because they actually started out as good friends. But, you know, I'm sure that, you know, Tupac's family is f- glad that they are, have finally charged somebody. Yeah. Almost 30 years later.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how the trial goes uh, in reading. that, State sugar Knight has said from prison that he will not testify in this case. But, you know, um, let's just see. Hopefully they have the right person, and let's mm-hmm. just see how it goes. But at least there's some level of... Uh, closure, at least that they continue to investigate. And so, hey, we'll celebrate, celebrate Senator Diane Feinstein, and also glad that things are moving along in the case of Tupac Shakur. Yes. All right, let's move on. We have a new month, we have a new Women of the Month. And boy, Miss Florence Dolores Griffin Joyner. Born December 21st, 1959 to September 21st, 1988. Glamour style, gold medalist, all of the above. And she was so fast that she set the world record in 100 meters at 10.49 seconds that still stands in 1988. And it, uh, the 200 meters, 21.34 seconds, and that record still stands. You wanna look at Olympic games? our records 1988 sold gold medal 100 meters 1988 sold korea gold 200 meters in 1988 4 by 100 gold 1984 200 meters silver and 1988 sold four by 400 silver world championships in 1987 gold and rome four by 100 and silver 1987 rome 200 meters we have so much to talk about We have five weeks this month. And so here we go. Dr. Kemp, I'm coming to you first. Flo, Joe, yeah.
1: (laughs) Flo, Joe. What can you say? Flair and style, two words and fast. I'm sorry, three words. (laughs) Player style and speed. Um, she was just uh, one of those track stars that you just love to watch, and I'm just, you know, grateful that I had a chance to actually see her uh, perform in this lifetime. She definitely set a trend, which still holds today. Where well, you know you can see just the track runners, um, the female track runners, you know, still um, replicate her style um and definitely um out set out to try to break her records uh, but she is definitely i uh, want to remember um just what a blessing that um we were able to see her perform when she um had a chance to to run so i'm happy that she is definitely our october woman of the month and look forward to talking um, about her all month long oh
0: yeah and we want to say hello to Benita Hayes from Nashville, Tennessee. Chip, give some comments. Flo Jo, Florence, Griffith, Joyner.
2: If you look at, she was married to Al Joyner, who I believe was a gold medalist in the Triple Jump. Sister-in-law of Jackie Joyner-Kersey, Kersey, who has many medals, gold medals in the Olympics. I don't know of any family that has three gold medal winners in it beside that one. They were... You know, sister, brother, and sister in law and wife. They were a great family. Flojo, like like uh, Marlo said, had the nails, had the hair, had the style. She had the look. Yeah. She, you know.
0: Yeah. I hate to call a poetry in motion. She died too motion. soon.
2: It's sad. Yeah. Yes.
0: Poetry in motion, but you only get about 10 seconds of it. So. <laughs> yes. racing she's racing. Mm-hmm. We have all month, so many um, avenues of her life and where she went to college and a little controversy too, but we'll get to it all. We have five weeks. Hey, y'all, Flo Joe, Woman of the Month. Now, let's talk about a woman executive in sports. We talk about this each week and this week we have Miss Amy Brooks. Amy Brooks is the NBA's president of team marketing and business operations and the league's first ever chief innovation officer. Since beginning of her career at the NBA in 2005, Brooks has held a variety of roles that have advanced and grown all areas of the business. Her leadership helped the NBA set all time attendance and sellout records and created new growth initiatives such as the league's groundbreaking Jersey Pack sponsorship program. She also helped design the foundation for new initiatives, including the NBA bubble. During the pandemic, the blockchain digital NFT collectible venture, NBA Top Shot, and the Basketball Africa League. In 2021, the NBA was recognized as one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential companies and its fast company's number one most innovative companies in sports. And yes, Amy Brooks is the engine that's driving that growth in the NBA.
1: I can't know about this. What do you think? we will coming to you next. No, you know you brought another one. Let's drive in the NBA and the WNBA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I enjoyed reading up on her because um, you know, who knew? And she's definitely a woman of business she uh, got an MBA from stanford a stanford grad uh she actually even played on the basketball team um that won three conference championships and went to the final four so she definitely you know knows you know what she's talking about in her role as um the strategic marketing and development So um, she's definitely in the right role that's for sure yeah jim amy brooks
2: you know just looking over her uh, resume you know she was involved in a groundbreaking uh, jersey patch sponsorship program that all teams now have a sponsor the basketball africa league yeah and the uh top shot so you know the nba is far and above the other three major i'll even call it soccer four major league sports uh in America in terms of promoting women, African-Americans, and just everything. They're, they're, they're way above the other four.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think we ought to give them a hand for that, for being innovative and in using women and African-Americans and just being inclusive.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, she's not African-American, but she's sure powerful, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah got another story for you, now, we know this one. The Jerk-On Pike Maneuver. Now, this is a move that Simone Biles just did in competition this past weekend. And because she did it, it's a vault. Uh, only she could do this move. And they now have renamed the move the Simone Biles move. They renamed it after her. So uh, what do you think, I forget, Simone Biles? Something
1: else.
0: Had to come closer to the mic.
1: It's, yes, she is because who would have ever thought after she took that time off that she would come back and have gotten a um, a vault uh, move, as you could say, um, named after her. And she she landed it. She landed uh, that. Um, you know, move and um I, I can't wait till the Olympics next year. I just cannot wait because she has not lost a beat. We say this every time we speak of her, but she has not lost it at all. I can't wait. I'm just glad she's an American uh that's gonna be in the Olympics <laughs> <ball> <laughs> for our team. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Jim, I agree. Yeah. We've seen Jordan come back, we've seen Muhammad Ali come back, we've seen different athletes take time off. But have you ever seen anybody come back to the sport and look like they haven't missed a day like Simone Biles? What do you think, Jim?
2: Well, first thing, I want to know how Kachinkoff feels about having the move taken out of her, <laughs> there in her day and put it to Simone Biles. But I mean, she is probably, if she wins a gold medal in 2024, she will probably go down as the greatest gymnast ever. Mm-hmm. I believe she's already won maybe seven out of ten world titles. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I mean, I'm I'm proud for her and ready to see her on the stage in Paris.
0: Yes. We'll keep up with this one. We'll keep up with it. Yes, sir. Come on, Bob. Now, probably football story, Jim. This is the female part. In the CIAA this past weekend, India Pulfis, she's a student at Shaw University who runs on the track team, but she could also kick, and uh, I guess they needed some help in the kicking game, so she's the first female to kick on the Shaw Bears football team, an extra point kick. So she made some history in the CIAA. She joined another young lady who made history the week before for Jackson State. So. Hey, at least the ladies are getting in football now. What do you think, Jim? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, like I said, we mm-hmm. had the mm-hmm. uh, young lady from Jackson State, Miss India, and yeah. we also had a young lady, Van Hooser. Yeah. Who also was a first non football, non kicker. Yep. Last week. So, you know, women are doing it all now. And that's great. She went hit somebody. She went and What's the safety gym or something? Yeah. I remember there was a young lady in California that got a scholarship. I, I don't she think did. it was abandoned, But I haven't heard any more of her. But yeah, yeah, she, this yeah. young lady was a safety. So yeah, wow. you know, things are changing.
1: <laughs> All if right. Next i will be co-ed. <laughs> well. no <Go> ladies.
2: <laughs> uh, we'll see, because I, I don't know, you know about uh, <laughs> when you start hitting. <laughs>
0: but we'll india, see. I, you know. india yes that. <laughs> okay this next story is one that um serena williams dealt with in the WNBA. sofisa kali who just came back this year had a great year the minnesota Lynx. but Skylar diggins who played with the phoenix mercury uh, took this last year off to have a child and She's up as a free agent and uh, going on her 10th year in the league next year, but she wants to feel welcomed by a team. She said it's unfair how badly women are treated in professional sports when they get pregnant. During this year, uh, one of the things Phoenix Mercury would not let her do after she had the child, they wouldn't even let her come back and use their facilities to get in shape, even though she was still an official member of their team. That's just one of the unfair treatments that uh, she said, and, and you hear this complaint often from women in sports when they become pregnant, but um, I just wanna know your thoughts, another injustice, and what do you think uh, needs to be done? Dr. Kemp, I'm gonna come to you first, and anybody can type in the chat on this subject as well. Dr. Kemp, on Skyler, dig in. And yeah, unfair that's, treatment.
1: that's very wrong and unfair, you know, um, they know that it's a possibility that she as well as any of the other females in the league would definitely that's you know probably a you know something that they want to do and, and which is have a child especially you know before they get up that age where they can no longer you know bear children and so why is it that you know that they she has to be penalized you know um just because she decided to become a mother. So I really think that that's um, definitely unfair um, according to, you know, what we're reading um, and, you know, don't know if this is part of the, they, their contract, I don't know. Um, but even if it is, that's still, you know, not fair, you know, at all. And then for her not to be able to use the facilities, you know, definitely um, unfair, which she, and then she has helped them, you know, become you know one of the powerhouse teams so because you know this is now she just didn't get in the league she was in the league 10 years um she's been in the WNBA for 10 years um you know prior to her having her children so i mean i think that that's that that's something that they definitely need to look at
0: yeah jim before i come to you uh Benita put in the chat are men athletes penalized for becoming fathers in a like manner and we know I'll let you comment on that, Jim, and give us your thoughts on this overall situation. Well,
2: quick answer to that, Benita, is no. Men at male athletes are a lot of times I've you know, they've been they've been heralded, but they've been scolded for missing a game for the birth of their child. You know, I, I've seen it go both ways. But I'll say this about Skylar Diggins. <laughs> Skylar Diggins is probably a top twenty player in the mm-hmm. WNBA she had a beef she had beef with uh diana taurasi last year and i'm sure the phoenix mercury will say well because she was a free agent we can't let her come to the complex to uh so she might get injured and we'd be on the hook for it the same thing happens unfortunately that way to male athletes i remember toward the end of steve mcnair's career in tennessee They would not let, you know, he's rehabbing from an injury. And they would not let him on the complex because they didn't want him to get hurt and be on the hook for any money that they might not have to owe him. So, you know, it's the dirty little secret of pro sports. About people at the end of their contract, how they don't let them, quote unquote, work on the facilities because of insurance purposes. And I hate it. Well, wow. I do believe had she had a chance to come back, she might have helped them maybe get to the playoffs. But, you know, maybe they didn't want to make the playoffs. Maybe the lottery pick was better. I don't know.
0: Well, we're going to keep up with this uh, story. She's one heck of a player, that's for sure. Yes, and someone she is. is going to pick her up. And I hope somebody cares about her and women in sports, um, in general. So, Skylar Diggins, we're pulling for you. All righty. It begins on Sunday. The WNBA Finals, the Las Vegas Aces versus New York Liberty. The Liberty beat Connecticut 3-1 after being down 1-0 in that series in the Eastern Conference. And the Las Vegas Aces swept Dallas, the Dallas Wings. Uh, Asia Wilson finished third in the MVP voting Rihanna Stewart first, and Kalisha Thomas, who's a heck of a player, uh, finished second. Uh, let's talk about the Eastern Conference first, and I'm going to talk to Dr. Kemp. What do you think? The Connecticut was a formidable foe, which Jim has predicted. They pushed the Liberty, even though Liberty beat them 3-1. What do you think about this series, Dr. Kemp, and what did it show about the New York Liberty?
1: Oh, yeah. Liberty, they, they were down they actually wind up losing that first game um, 78 to 63 to the suns and so we were like oh here we go so but um, they rallied back they rallied back won the second game um, and then won the third game Mm -hmm. Um, but then the suns you know they were leading the liberty were leading on in the fourth game and I really thought that you know it was going to be a you know tie and they were going to go to game five but um the liberty fought back um took control but then the suns they hung with them it was toe to toe all the way down to to the last second and um they wind up pulling it out liberty wind up pulling it out but i definitely thought the sun was gonna actually come back and beat them and, and force the game five
0: yeah i believe the key to the new york liberty uh beating connecticut and if they're gonna have a shot against the ace is John Claude Jones, the big player in the middle. When she comes to play, they're exceptional, and she's going to have to match up against Asia Wilson. Jim, let's Mm -hmm. go to the West. Uh, Las Vegas Aces swept Dallas, not much resistance, and Asia Wilson is on a tear. She's been scoring 38, 35, 30, and it looks like she's playing with a chip on her shoulder for not giving that MVP. What do you think Oh, yeah. Lost me, huh? <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. I think that's going to be a chip on her shoulder. And Becky Hammond is making sure that she knows it and the world knows. Yeah. Now, the uh, Aces pretty much went through the postseason. I think they were 5-0. and The games with Dallas got closer and closer in the end. But one thing has been said, Dallas is a team that has a lot of height to the Liberty so playing against Dallas will probably prepare the aces for the Liberty in their heights
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah so you know this is the matchup that everyone wanted in the beginning of the year the two super teams and now yeah. after going through the playoffs we've got that matchup
0: yeah Jim is there any, sad, any chance that we'll see Candace Parker make any appearance at all in the finals?
2: I I don't know, but I don't think so. I, it's been very quiet about that, mm-hmm. uh, whether Candace Parker is going to play. But I know the young lady, they, they signed two players this year. okay. And Candace Parker was supposed to be their um, ace off the bench. But the other young lady they signed, was able to win six per- person of the year.
0: Yep,
2: uh, Asia Clark,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you know her. Candace Parker's absence aided her responsibilities, and her ability is to help defend every position. Is going to help the Aces mm-hmm. in this final.
0: All right. Well, October eight Sunday it begins. Great job so far, ladies. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Las Vegas Aces, it's New York Liberty. Time to get it on, time to get it on. We're gonna take just a one minute break. We'll come back with some volleyball scores and then we'll get to football. righty. thanks a lot. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU Athletics. Yes, we cover all five conferences, the SIAC, the CIAA, the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, the MIAC, and the SWAC. All righty, and some independence. Here we go. Women's volleyball and the CIAA, we're going through the conference records now. Northern Division, Virginia State, 3-0, Elizabeth City State, 3-1, Bluefield State, 3-1, Virginia Union 0 and 5, of Pennsylvania 0 and 4, Bowie State 0 and 6 in the Southern Division. Shaw 9 and 0, Fayetteville State 2 and 1, Clemson 3 and 3, Winston-Stanley State 2 and 2, Johnson C. Smith 2 and 3, Saint Augustine 2 and 3, and Livingston they are 1 and 2. And these conferences play their championships in November for volleyball. So they'll be playing on the upper teams or upper seeds home court. It's November fourteenth and nineteenth. The first two days, and then the eighteenth and nineteenth, the semifinals and finals will be held at Bowie State University in Maryland. And so, get ready to go support these teams in the um, volleyball championships. Let me move quickly to the SIAC, women here, Albany State, and they have they also have an East and Western division. This is just a conference record. Albany State, 10-1, Edward Waters, 8-1, Benedict, 8-4, Clark, Atlanta, 7-2, Savannah State, 6-5, Fort Valley State, 5-6, and And Allen, 3-7. In the West, Spring Hill, the defending champions, 8-0, Lane, 4-5, Miles, 3-6, Central State, 2-6, Tuskegee, 1-7, Owen, 1-7, and And Kentucky State, they are 0-9. So there you have it. And uh, we'll go over the uh, one more the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, okay. Conference record: Talladega's on top right now, nine and one. Dillard seven and one. Fisk University six and three, and Philander Smith four and four. Then you have the bottom of the league: Russ, two and four, Wiley two and six, Oakwood one and five, Southern University New Orleans zero oh and one, and Tuscaloosa, out of Mississippi, zero oh and six. So there you are you have the volleyball we give you division one next week and uh we'll go from there we have about 30 seconds get a break and jim we'll come back to you HBCU football nfl ncaa you got it all we're coming right back to you 30 seconds Friend featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports, HBCU Athletics. Jim, oh, bring us HBCU football. Before you do, I wanna say welcome to our engagers online, not just those who type in the chat, but those who are listening in. We've got about 14 or 15 of you, and we wanna say welcome to Dr. Bird and Friends. Jim?
2: Well, I'm gonna start out with the swag with their standings, Florida and M is 3 and 0. And one thing about college football in the HBCU realm, you're going to have records that well, records that aren't necessarily that good, but all of these teams are playing money games. You know, Florida and M is 4 and 1, but they played Miami and they also have a key win which is going to help them in the uh, in the end for the 1AA playoffs is beating West Florida. Jackson State is 1-1, one one, Alabama A&M, same. Bethune-Cookman, 0-1, oh Alabama State, 0-2, oh Mississippi Valley State, 0-1. Oh In the West, Grambling leads 2-0, two, two oh, which Southern has the same record. That Classic is going to probably come down for the West title on Thanksgiving. Prairie View is 2-1, one, Alcorn 1-1, one one, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and Texas Southern are both 0 and 2. No. Now we go to the MEAC. Well, let's go to the CIAA right quick. Northern Division, Virginia State is 3 and 0. Oh. Virginia Union and Bowie State, 2 and 1. Lincoln, 1 and 2. Bluefield and Elizabeth City State are both 0 and 3. No, Southern Division, Johnston C. Smith is 3 and 0 as Fayetteville State is, Winston-Salem 2 and 1, Livingstone and Shaw both are 1 and 2 and St. Augustine is 0 and 3. Now go to the MEAC which has only one division but they don't have the conference records but north carolina central is four and one howard is two and two norfolk state two and two south carolina state one and three delaware state one and four the siac standings one big conference i mean no divisions benedict and tuskegee are through and Miles are 3 and 0, Albany State is 3 and 0, Fort Valley is 4 and 0 in the league. Allen is 2 and 1, Edward Waters 2 and 2, which is the first this is the first year they've been in SIEC for a couple of years. Savannah State 1 and 2, Lane 1 and 3, Central State and Morehouse 0 and 3, Kentucky State and Clark Atlanta who just fired their coach.
0: 0
2: and 4. Just saw that I was very surprised about that. But this week, in terms of classics, we have won the Golf Coast Challenge, which is Jackson State and Alabama A M. Now going on to your top ten and the SI not S I C in college football, HBCU as a whole, North Carolina Central is 4 and 1. They rallied from a 3 touchdown deficit against Campbell, a team that bullied them last year and they beat them, the, keeping them in front of Florida A&M which is closing fast on them. Number 2 is Florida A&M. They struggled early with Mississippi Valley State, but talent soon won out and overwhelmed to give them a comfortable 31 to 7 win. Mm-hmm. Third is Hampton. Hampton won its second conference game in the C-I- CAA ever, mm-hmm. Colonial Athletic Association. So if they can find a way to remain in the middle of one of the nation's deepest conferences, they'll surely stay in the top five of the HBCU college rankings. Number four is Jackson State.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They had a bye last week. Five is Tennessee State, which is in the, uh, I guess this year, the Big South and OBC combined.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We have to get out with Dr. you know. <laughs> 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 Keep going, Kemp.
2: Tennessee State lost a close conference game, and couldn't win back-to-back after beating Gardner-Webb. But they're still in the thick of things in a merged conference title race early in the season. Howard. Yes. Go big blue. Howard is two and two with number six as they prove their worth with the dominant win over Robert Morris. Mm-hmm. So a win of such nature should be the standard to the bison, hope to compete for the MIAC title. Grambling State moved up to seven, their highest ranking of the year at the defeating Prairie View. They now have won three straight and have a 2-0 record in the SWAC play, which is encouraging after a slow start.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Alabama A&M didn't rise too much this week because they beat a D1 opponent in Tuskegee. And I believe that was Tuskegee's first loss. Yes, yes. The offense scored 58 points, and if the offense is clicking like that, they're going to be dangerous. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Prairie View. They lost to Grambling, and before that, they would control their destiny in the SWAC West. But since they lost to Grambling, it looks like – and they only have two more games left on their divisional schedule. So it looks like it will be, as I said earlier, Grambling and Southern playing for that SWAC title. The only one spoiler left probably is Arkansas Alcorn State, Mm -hmm. which bounced back. With a win over Alabama State in overtime. They found a way to get it done in the end. Mm-hmm. Close but not quite is Southern. Up two and two and on the swack, two and two overall. And they beat up on Pine Bluff this week and said, mm-hmm. Don't sleep on Southern, because they're two and on swack play with loss against Alabama and, and Jackson State, not counting against them in the standings because they're both in the east.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now we will move on to talk about well let's talk a little bit about Colorado this week. Jim,
0: Jim, ask a question. Uh sure can. Down, yeah before we move on to the uh, to Colorado, real quick, in division two HBCU, right? Number one, Benedict. Number two, Virginia State; three, Miles; four, Tuskegee; five, West Virginia State; six, Fort Valley State; seven, Virginia Union; eight, Fairville State; nine, Johnston C. Smith. And the tenth rank is Albany State. So we got our Division One. You just gave it to us. We have a Division Two in, and we're going to stay on top of it this second half of the season as people get ready to go to bowl games. But go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry.
2: Now, who is the one you mentioned for number one?
0: Number one is Benedict. The is five and 0.
2: Benedict has been beating up on some people.
0: Yes, sir.
2: And look out for Benedict in terms of the Division Two playoffs. Yes. Now, the the uh, Colorado, yeah, played a bad game against Oregon the week before, but this week, you know, they were playing a higher ranked team in USC. But Colorado found a way to make the game close. They were down early, big time, but came back to make the game 48 to 41. And we're going to tie with about a minute left. Kick to onside kick and US. Uh, you-
0: Jim, no, did we lose you? yeah, I think we're trying to get him to come back in here. You he may have to dial him to come back in. But um, a little technical difficulty, but Jim's talking about the game with Colorado State and the USC, which um, Deion Sanders' son, Shador, made a great comeback, but also they were playing against USC, and USC has the returning Heisman Trophy winner, and uh, he's he's a great player as well and uh, Caleb Williams is named, and he threw for six touchdown fastest All right, Jim, are you there? I'll yes. Can you hear me? All right, go ahead. Pick it back up for us.
2: Okay, well, I was saying the Pac-12 has some great quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Shadour, the Heisman Trophy winner you just mentioned, the quarterback at Oregon, quarterback at Utah. But traditionally, they don't play a lot of defense. And one complaint, which cost USC in the final – Top 25 standings, their defense was said to be gassed at the end of that game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, Colorado was able to take advantage of that. And, you know, while we're talking about Colorado, I was going to mention Travis Hunter. Yeah. Travis Hunter, it looks like he's going to be out two more games.
0: Yep.
2: And the young man, you know, the young man got death threats. For putting that hit on him, Henry Blackburn, but Dion came out condemned to death threats. And Travis Hunter went a step further where he went out bowling with the young man who was actually from the Boulder area.
0: Classical and move, they
2: bowled, man. and the winner, I think.
0: Fast move. Classical move. Sorry, classic move. hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: The winner donated. X amount of money to the losers, the winner, the winner got donated money by the loser to their favorite charity. And I think Henry Blackburn picked a charity in Boulder. So, you know, you know, it's good. We always see these bad stories like the story about the young man from Alabama state who beat up the security guy. But this is a heartwarming story where the young man, they had a bad incident on the field, but they made up after the game and are trying to make the best out of it. Mm-hmm. So, again, shout out to Travis Hunter and Henry Blackburn for doing Absolutely. that.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 Chip, who's, back? who's next on the schedule for Colorado?
2: I believe one of the Arizona teams, either Arizona or Arizona State now you know colorado's gone over a roller coaster most people when they start out three and oh they were ranking them in the top 10. dion had always said that he was cut by a seven or eight dogs short and those dogs are on the offensive defensive line now they lost the last two but most people are predicting them to get to at least six games win six games Mm -hmm. so they can make the playoffs and also and, you know, I heard Dion talk about this earlier, or Coach Prime, as he prefers to be called, that his players have had the highest yeah. academic record in the history of Colorado football. All right. So this is also something to be celebrated. Yeah. All right,
0: Jim. We'll have yes. the rest of our top 10 in college football do Alabama and all these other
2: people glad you asked i'm about to tell you
0: <laughs>
2: georgia was in a dog fight with um auburn yeah. which they eventually pulled out 27 20. michigan beat nebraska 45 to seven and i might add the michigan uh first team defense has only been scored upon <laughs> once Mm. They had three shutouts going late into the fourth quarter that the second team defense gave up a touchdown or a field goal. Mm. Right. Texas. beat Kansas. They, 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 that game was tight early. Mm-hmm. They pulled away. Let's see. Washington had a barn burner with uh, Arizona. Uh, 31-24. Penn State. Game at halftime. Beat up on Northwestern, forty-one thirteen. As we mentioned earlier, UCLA USC beat Colorado, forty-eight forty-one. Oregon beat Stanford, forty-two to six. Utah, the former number ten team, lost to Oregon State, twenty-one to seven couple other good games of note that fall just out of the top ten. Notre Dame went down to the wire and beat Duke. They were down with about less than a minute left, scored a touchdown and a two-point conversion to win 21-14. Alabama, which got Nick Saban agitated, had a close one with Mississippi State until they finally pulled away 40-17. And probably the game of the week, which I was watching, would be Ole Miss and LSU, mm. they had over 1,300 yards of offense. Wow. And Ole Miss finally won 55 to 49.
0: You know, Jim, Ole Miss is kind of coming up in football in the last few years in the SEC. They used to be kind of the doormat, but uh, Started starting to be pretty competitive, you know? They've had
2: their spurts. Now, if you remember this game, for instance, they honored the 2003 team that Eli Manning quarterback that I think won the uh, SEC West. Mm-hmm. They've had their ebbs and flows, but I think that their coach, Lane Kiffin, you know, he went through some rough times at Tennessee, sure, yeah. USC being fired on the tarmac. He's worked under Nick Saban. is coming to his own, and is starting to build a program. Because you can't sleep on them because they're only forty five minutes, thirty minutes away from Memphis, Hmm. so they've got a national recruiting base. And you know it's crazy, but UT is what three hundred miles away from Memphis, but Ole Miss is only like forty five. So, you know, we'll see what happens and we'll see how long Lane stays and what he's able to do with these old Miss Rebels.
0: Jim, are we seeing the effects, like Alabama's the 10th, 11th in the country, are we seeing now the effects of the transfer portal where it's so even and the power teams just are not – everybody's got a shot. Is this the effect of this transfer portal the last year? I believe so.
2: Because if you remember that you got players like Joe Burrow transferring from Ohio State to LSU, uh, Jamison Williams transferring from Ohio State to Alabama, it looked like for a while the top transfers were just transferring among themselves. But, you know, with Dion bringing in 68 transfer portal players, wow. you know, Dion gets credit for that, but the first one to really do that was Lincoln Riley at USC. USC last year Mm -hmm. where he, you know, I was listening to that game and it was like, oh, such and such. He played with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma or Mm -hmm. this guy played at Arizona. So a lot of teams are building on the quick by using the transfer portal.
0: Yeah. Wow. Jim, we'll take one break. We'll come back, NFL, and we'll finish up with a little bit of um, NBA or NCAA and NBA preview. Going to a commercial, Pamela Renee, qualifying broker, founder, CEO, 2870 Peachtree Road, suite 992, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. That's Pamela at prreneestates.com, 404-964-4294. you look looking for residential, commercial, land, builder, developer, investor investment services in the Atlanta area. You want to see Pam. You want to see Pam. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff and friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of all the women's sports, HBC athletics. We want to welcome Fisk University basketball Hall of Famer Renee Spencer to the line. And uh, Jim, let's give us some NFL rundown. All right.
2: Well, well I've been looking forward to this segment as <laughs> <since> I suppose <laughs> you guys are not. But we'll start out with Thursday's game, which was a divisional game between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers, which the Lions won 34-20 to 20 after starting out with a 27-3 to 3 lead against the Packers. The Lions were able to run the ball well and keep the ball for an enormous amount of time. And they beat the Packers. This is the fourth win in a row against the Packers. Mm. And at the end of the game, there were more Lions fans and Packer fans in Lambeau. <laughs> now Jim,
0: what's,
1: we're the go- what's the Lions record now?
2: Three and one.
0: Well, Just
2: <laughs> Now, the Bengals who are struggling with Joe Burrow still dealing with that calf injury. And Cliff, just a quick question. Should he take a couple games off?
0: I think so, and then that's medically. But if I was playing behind that offensive line, I'd take some games off even if I didn't have a calf problem.
2: Because <laughs> yeah. I guess part of the problem is he's got yeah. the calf problem. He can't push off that much. So he's throwing short, quick passes. Sure. And mm-hmm. defense, defenses know that, so they'll move up and not give you much. Yeah. One surprise in the uh, NFC South is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They beat the New Orleans Saints 26-9 and moved to the top of the NFC South. The Falcons lost to the Jaguars in the uh, first game overseas in the International Series 7-23. And it's interestingly enough, Jacksonville is playing, I believe, the Baltimore Ravens this week also in London. Wow their owner has taken a game away from Jacksonville every year to play over there. So he's going to get two games over there, which will be very interesting.
0: That game comes on about, what, 9.30 in the morning Sunday over here, something like that?
2: Yes, yes. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Now, the team of the century who scored, what, 70 points last week, (laughs) and everybody was talking about how the Miami Dolphins are going to run away with the league lost 48-20 to the Buffalo Bills. You know, you always have to take a a divisional foe for granted because they know more about your X and O's than most teams do. And this game, they took away, you know, Tyreek Hill's had monster games and he's had non-monster games. So this is something to see. I think both those teams will be in the playoffs, so we'll see about – Part two later on in the season, and part three will probably come in the playoffs.
0: Hey Jim, mm-hmm. what did Josh Allen throw that game? He's a phenomenal player for Buffalo.
2: Yeah, four Staff TD passes, and he had 320 yards. And really, since he lost New York Jets in that first game, he took accountability. And you know, I heard talk today that he's probably the MVP at the quarter pole. Yeah. of the NFL by what he's done since that game.
0: That boy's play.
2: Yeah. Now, as an ironic turn to faith in the toilet bowl, <laughs> the Denver Broncos, which gave up those 70 points, started out slow. I think they were down 28-3, to but they won 31-28 against the Chicago Bears. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Now, I was in Chicago and it was happening. The fans in Chicago are livid. (laughs) And this might cost Matt Eberflus his job. There was a play where I think it was fourth and one on the 23. You kick a field goal, you go up by three. They followed analytics. Analytics told them to go for it. They ran from the shotgun running play and got stopped. And Denver went down to kick a field goal to win the game. (laughs) So keep away. And, you know, the Broncos play the New York Jets next week. You remember Sean Payton made those comments. So I'm sure that's going to be a lively game.
0: Where's the game, Phil? Where's the game? You
2: know? I believe it's in New York.
0: All right.
2: Now, the Ravens beat the Browns 28-3. And the Browns have been woefully inconsistent. I think Deshaun Watson took himself out of the game. or the uh, I know the staff said he was eligible to play. Well, he was cleared to play. He said he wasn't. So he didn't play. So, you know, they got whooped by Baltimore. I mean, they've looked good in some wins. They've looked bad in some losses. The Rams Won 29-23 in overtime after losing a twenty-three zip lead to the Colts. The Commanders lost to the Eagles thirty-four to 34 to thirty-one in overtime. I think we Josh Elliott kicked a field goal to win that game. The uh let's see. Vikings got their first win against the Panthers.
0: Yay. Give him a
2: hand And interesting note in this game, first round, first overall draft pick Bryce Young is looking like a rookie shaky. But because the Panthers traded up to get him, I mean, the Chicago keeps on sticking up the joint, and the Panthers have a poor season. Chicago could end up with the first pick overall and the third pick. And I've heard that Chicago, if they got that choice, would draft a quarterback out of USC and pick up Marvin Harrison Jr. with that next pick and just go for it from there. Mm
0: -hmm. Hey, Jim? Yes. Uh, Renee Spencer said, don't forget about the Cowboys. Make sure we mention them. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm going to mention the Cowboys.
2: All right. They played. They played with afternoon games. We get to, I think the final, the final uh, Sunday, early game. The uh, Texans, who look good under C.J. Stroud, who's probably looked the best out of the three rookie quarterbacks, beat the Steelers, who did not get into the uh, Texans' territory until late in the game, thirty to six. Mm-hmm. So you know, look out for those Texans because I think. I want to say everybody in the AFC South is two and two. Okay. So that's going to be interesting once they start to play a divisional games. Okay. The Raiders lost to the Chargers, and we get to Renee's team, who again two weeks ago was the team when they were two and zero, the team of destiny. <laughs> Defense is just blowing out people. And then they ran up against the buzzsaw last week. But this week, they came back to beat the Patriots. I believe they had two defensive touchdowns. Mm
0: -hmm. Jim, wasn't this the, the worst loss that Belichick has ever taken in New England?
2: Yes. And he actually pulled Mac Jones in the third quarter. He says he's going to be a starter for now. But, you know, I think New England is probably looking for another quarterback. Yeah. And some of it is Mac Jones' fault, but a lot of it is he had Josh McDaniels as offensive coordinator the first year. He had that idiot Mac Patricia last year. And this year he's got uh, Bill O'Brien. So he's had three different OCs in three years. He's got to get some stability. Each of them have a different offense, and, you know, it's not working.
0: You know,
2: 49ers go ahead. beat the Cardinals.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: 35-16. Mm-hmm. And now these next two games are of of my two friends. <laughs> the Chiefs, <laughs> with their number one fan, oh boy.
1: Swift. Taylor Swift,
2: yep. beat, the, beat the Jets 23-20. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, much maligned Zach Wilson, looked pretty fairly good in this game. I don't know if yes, it he did. Aaron Rodgers coming down and, saying some things to him and saying some things to the team. But he looked fairly good. He struggled in clutch time. But, I, you know, because they have no money, they're going to have to work with him. And I think, you know, we'll see. The schedule gets lighter after this, after I think got I one more tough game next week. Then after that, I think the schedule gets lighter for them. And $40 million man. Has not look good, Saquon Barkley went out. And the Seahawks beat him.
0: Oh, I can't do the home team. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And yeah, you
0: did. But you
2: know, I do believe that if the Giants had to do it over again, they would not give him that money. That's four years, 160 million, but he's only guaranteed the first two.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because it's just, especially without Saquon, it's not working out for him. See, yeah. he threw a 97 yard interception to Devin, rookie Devon Witherspoon, and had the <laughs> bad misfortune of trying to tackle him, and Devin shook him, and he ended up on the ground. So, our buddy Daniel Jones, hopefully, he can get better so that the the uh, Giants can at least retain some dignity.
0: Did he get sacked 11 times last night? Mm-hmm. He got sacked wow.
2: 10 times and rushed a whole bunch more. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, I, I give Daniel Jones a hard time because I don't think he's worth $40 million. But having said that, he had three offensive linemen out. I think two got hurt on the same play. Yeah. So that will always make a huge difference. And, you know, my hope is for, you know, your New York Giants to uh, (laughs) gain some health, and we'll see what they can do.
0: All right. Jim, great job with football as usual. I want to come with one question, which is the NBA. because they're starting training camps. Um, The deal that's been kind of quiet finally happened, and I'll let Dr. Kemp, I want you to come in as well. Damian Lillard is out of Portland, and he's gone to the Milwaukee Bucks finally. Are the Bucs destined to be back in the championships again on that deal? That's our last topic of the night.
2: Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I can say yes. Mm-hmm. They probably have the best one-two punch in the league. But is their depth going to be strong enough? You look at what happened. They traded him for Drew Holiday. Yeah. And they got the uh, center for um, <coughs> Phoenix. Um, his mm-hmm. name is escaping me. Uh, DeAndre Icke. Now they turn around and flip Drew Holiday to Boston. Which means Boston is going to have Drew Holiday.
0: They're going to be better. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, we lose you, Jim. Okay. So we'll be. He's going to go out and come back in. We'll be watching that um, Milwaukee Bucks deal with. uh, Matum- Kotumbo, the big, the big fella can play. We know who he is, along with Damian Lillard, who I think, can flat out ball. Actually, you got two. Go ahead, Jim. Actually, I think Drew
2: Holiday will be more valuable Celtics with his defense. than Damian Lillard will be to the Milwaukee Bucks. But go ahead.
0: Yeah, Damian's a closer though. They ain't gonna give thirty. He is in the fourth quarter. So. With him and the big foul in the middle, they're going to be something to deal with. Um, I'm glad for Damien, though. You know, he's, he's played in yeah. Portland. They're going through the changeover. He needs to get me in the playoffs. I'm tired of watching him uh, at home in the playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave play, man. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm happy for him. And he
2: did his the right way. He quietly asked for a trade, and I guess behind the scenes, he okayed the deal to Milwaukee. Mm hmm. Because I remember last week I was telling you, I heard Boston and uh, Toronto were in the running quietly. But unlike our buddy James Harden, who's not shown up for training camp <laughs> in Philly. And he's got a history of doing that or coming in out of shape. So we'll see
0: how that plays out. NBA training camp starts today. Dr. Kemp, give us the closing mm-hmm. remark on the night. Anything on the show before we go? <clears throat>
1: Well, Jim, thanks for a great report. Cause I really thought you were talking about the NFL um, portal. Have they been yeah. But we look forward to the to the next Sunday with some more great games from the NFL as well as the NCAA on Saturday.
0: Mm, yes. And the WNBL Sunday. All right. All right. Team, we want to say this, and to our listeners, continue to spread the word about our show. It is growing. We're coming upon the first, uh, November 21st, will be our first year anniversary of Dr. Cliff Burton. Friends. We are projected getting 500 downloads of our show in the first year. Uh, at this point, we are already at 800 and 75 so we'll be over a thousand so thanks to you the word is spreading the show is growing continue to check in we also want to say hello tonight the to 26 engagements here in the studio uh continue to encourage those to sign up to follow us and then next week we're going to highlight one of the gulf coast athletic conference schools simon jacob the athletic director from oakwood university in huntsville alabama will be with us he'll talk to us about and he's also the men's basketball coach to talk to us about Oakwood University's athletic programs and Oakwood University a tremendous school in Huntsville, Alabama. And then October 17th or 18th, we will have the wide receiver his name is Dixon number 88. He's a star for Florida A&M University and his father is also coming on the show who played he's a lawyer who played back in the day with Deion Sanders at Florida State. So we have some special guests. We'll also be endorsing some college fairs and some of the leaders and letting folks know where students can go to find out how to get into HBCUs. So we have a lot coming you in the next few weeks. Continue to spread the word. We're on many platforms. And uh, again, we'll see everybody back in 168 hours from now. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Good night, everybody.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
2: Good night.